Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Good morning, everyone. So good to see you in the house of the Lord as we gather together to celebrate His goodness and His mercy and His great blessings. Praise His holy name. We just want to thank God for this day. This is the day the Lord has made. No matter what circumstances we're facing, no matter what challenges may be before us, this is still the day the Lord has made. And we're going to choose to rejoice in it. Amen? Rejoice in it and be glad. Happy Memorial Day weekend to each and every one of you. I know that you probably have plans for this day and tomorrow, and we just pray that that will be a tremendous uh, blessing. We pray God's protection and that you would have an awesome time with family and with friends as we are even gathered here now to do just that. I thank you for making priority the house of the Lord and an opportunity to unite to worship Him and to praise Him and to ascribe glory and honor to Him, for He is truly worthy. Amen? Amen. Our God is truly worthy. And we just thank God for you being here today to help us ascribe that glory unto Him. What a tremendous day this is. This is a weekend to remember uh, as uh, we even have it set up uh, in our nation, in the calendar of our year. Uh, we remember those who have sacrificed so much and those that have sacrificed their lives. I'd like to take just a moment and if you have a loved one uh, wherever in your bloodline, but someone in your family that uh, paid the ultimate price and sacrificed their life on the battlefield or in a, a war uh, for the freedom of our country, I want you to just stand in honor of them and their memory today. Yes, you see that? Look at here. Wow. Remain standing. How about if you have a family member who has served or continues to serve and they, they didn't lose their life on the battlefield, but they placed their life in harm's way to make sure that we continued in our freedom. Remain standing, keep standing, and just you join them. You join them. Wow, look at here. Look at here. How about if you are here today and you are, have served or you uh, continue to serve in the military, would you join everybody by standing? Yes. Look around you. Look around you. The majority of the people in here representing one or another. We salute you. We, we, we thank God for your family and for your sacrifices. I say today we salute you soldiers who gave us your service and your lives. And we salute the parents who gave us your children to serve. And we salute the children who gave us your parents to serve. And we salute God the Father who gave us His only begotten Son that we may know what true freedom is. To God be the glory. Amen? Amen. We salute you. You may be seated. Praise God. Wow, I know there's a lot of plans for this weekend. We get a, a lot of people get Mondays off. I know the kids are like, yes, another day off from school. It is like Christmas all over again. And, uh, but it's just a little warmer uh, during this day off. So I know you probably got things planned for tomorrow. Many will be going to cemeteries to decorate them uh, with brilliantly colored flowers and uh, flags. Uh, we thank uh, those who decorate even the entrance coming in here today with the flags so that we definitely will not let this time go by that we don't remember. There has been so many sacrifices, uh, millions of sacrifices that have been made in so many different ways, stories that have not been told, heartaches that have not, the pain there has never even been felt by others that, that people have gone through so that we can have the blessed country and the freedoms that we have here today. And we don't want to forget that. We never want to forget that. But the Bible tells us it, how important it is to remember. Uh, there are some things that God's Word calls us to remember as well. And that's what we want to look at today on this day to remember. And our text is going to be in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 7 and 8. And we want to look together in God's Word 
But before we do that, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Your word is holy. Your word is divinely inspired. Your word is powerful. Your word overcomes the power of the enemy. Your word gives us the foundation and the rock to build our lives upon that the storms of life cannot tear us down. Your word is the plumb line. Your word is the true compass that keeps us pointed to true north. Your word is the map that we can live by and build by and raise our families by and end up successful in every area that you've created us to be. We thank you for your word. And as we study it together, we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would bring inspiration, you would bring revelation, and you would bring an understanding to your word so that we can take it and apply it this day in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Here we have God's word telling us and challenging us in this area of remembering. He says in verse 7, consider, which in the Greek really means reflect upon and remember. So remember, consider what I say. And may the Lord give you understanding in all things. When you take the time to remember, the Bible says something happens. Then you begin to get understanding. So if you just rush through life and you don't take time to remember the way our bodies were created, the way our minds were created, we will rush through life without understanding. We will rush through life without the wisdom that God has for us for life. So God said he has created us that we would take the time and that we would remember. And here specifically, he says, remember what I say so that you can get understanding in all things. So we're to take the time to remember what God has said to us. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead. So he's telling us here we need to remember what God says. We need to remember the Word of God. As we go into this week, we need to make sure that we remember what God has said. We remember that Jesus Christ gave His life for us. Remember, that next slide will show us these things that I'm talking about. Remember that Jesus Christ sacrificed all for us. As we remember that, take the time, we will get understanding. We will get the, the, uh, a supernatural uh, work of God in our mind in our lives so that we can apply it that it brings success in the way that we would go and remember that he is risen that he's not dead he made the sacrifice he was buried in a tomb he was dead but on the third day he rose from the dead remember that and remember that he has ascended unto the Father, but he said there is a set time by the Father that he's coming back again we must remember that it is so important that we remember. I believe the enemy is always trying to fight our memory. Memory. I think the enemy, one of his uh, strategic attacks is to attack our memory. And I think you need to start praying beginning today that the in the name of Jesus, through the blood of the Lamb of God, by the Word of God and the power of His Spirit, that your memory would be preserved, that your memory would be protected. Don't you give your memory up. Don't you give it. And don't say silly things. Well, I'm, I'm losing my mind. Or here, I, I heard someone, they used to say this, and they said it as though it were funny. Here I go again. I'm having my senior moment. I'm having my, oh, I'm, I must have dementia. I must have dementia. I'm like, no, don't call that stuff on yourself. Say, I'm going to pray the healing power of God over my memory. I need my memory because as I remember, it releases the understanding of the wisdom of God in my life. There was a story about a city fellow who was visiting his relatives on a farm and uh, when he was there, out there, the farmer said, come here, let me show you something. And he whistles and his dog goes out there and herds some ponies and brings those ponies into the corral and then latches the gate with her paw and looks back at the, at the farmer. And, and this relative says, wow, that is some dog. What's her name? Well, the forgetful farmer thought for a minute and he said, well, what do you call that flower? It's red, it has thorns on the stem. And he said, you mean a rose? That's it, that's it. So the farmer turns to his wife and he says, hey, Rose, what do we call this dog? <laughs> Today I want to encourage you to remember our Savior, Jesus Christ. Yes, we remember those who have gone before us, but we also remember Jesus Christ who has gone before us and He has prepared a place for us. Hallelujah. 
So there are four things that I believe the Bible wants us to remember about Christ on this Memorial Day, or four that I want to focus on. And the first one is this, on this day to remember, let us remember Christ's provision. Let us remember Christ's provision. In Matthew 16 and verse 8 and following, aware of their discussion, Jesus asked the disciples, He says, you of little faith, why are you talking among yourselves about having no bread? Do you not understand? Do you not remember the five loaves with the 5,000 and how many basketfuls you gathered? Or the seven loaves for the 4,000 and how many basketfuls you gathered? So here's a picture of the disciples of Christ, and they're just not getting it. They are met with another need, and they are being challenged by it, and Jesus is rebuking them of little faith. Now, little faith, when Jesus rebuked them of that many times, it was never about the size of their faith. As, as he said, a faith the size of a mustard seed, a grain of mustard seed, will move a mountain. So he's not talking about a size of faith. When this word little here talks about little faith means a short-winded faith. Meaning I can believe for a moment, but when the next challenge comes up, it's almost like I've I've run out of breath and and I'm ready to sit down on the sideline. Jesus says you should be running the marathon of faith. You should believe, believe in me no matter what challenges come against you. And he says, and the way you get your wind built up is through remembering When you remember what I did with the 5,000 men, their wives and children, 15, 25,000 men, uh, 20,000 people, he says, I fed with a little boy's lunch and there were 12 basketfuls. Each of you carried a basketful home so that you could be uh, so established in I am a God, my name is El Shaddai, I'm the God of more than enough, so that you would never doubt, you would never doubt. And then there was another occasion, there were 4,000 men and their wives and children, maybe 12, Uh, you know, plus uh, people. And there again, there was excess. So he tells them, he says, let me tell you what, you've got to remember what happened in the past to help you go forward in the future. And I guarantee you, every one of you here this morning and every one of you tuned in, you have had a time in your life where had it not been for the hand of God, had it not been for a miracle, had it not been for a supernatural divine intervention, you would not have made it. You would not have, you not, would have not come through that thing. And Jesus is challenging you this morning as much as He's challenging me that we need to remember the things that He has done in the past because as we remember the things that He has done in the past, it will help us, it will grow our faith, the wind of our faith, that we can keep running this race and we can run it with perseverance and we can run it with patience, not giving up and not getting winded and we can be like that eagle mounted up with wings as eagles and running and not growing weary and walking and not fainting, the Bible promised, for those who wait upon the Lord, for those who trust in the Lord. So we need to remember that He is our provider. He says, my name is Jehovah Jireh. My name is Jehovah Jireh. My my name, that's my character. That's who I am. It's not what I do. It's who I am. I am your God that meets all of your needs according to the glorious riches in Christ Jesus. He says, if there's a deficit in Christ Jesus, then there will be a deficit in your life. But there is no deficit in Christ Jesus. There is no lack in Christ Jesus. There is no limited supply in Christ Jesus. And I will meet all your needs, not some, but all your needs according to His glorious riches in Christ Jesus. It's my name. It's who I am. It's what I do. Hallelujah. I'm here to tell you today, we need to remember about what God has done. I think about this church. They were telling me, you know, uh, just this week, they said, you know, the school is about to dismiss and we've got to get this new roof put on the uh, Christian Embassy Cafe over here. Uh, it's going on 20 plus years and the storms have breaking the shingles off. We don't want damage inside. Before there's damage inside, it's time to put a new roof on there. We're talking about thousands of dollars. Then this 
Welcome Center Cafe. We got the water supply there for four years. It's been there, and they're still having the whole water there for the drink station and the coffee and stuff. And we've got the cabinet plan and got everything ready, but that's thousands of dollars. And then this morning I get texts that the, the power supply in the main amp, not the sub amps, but the main amp, the big expensive one that runs all this stuff is out. And they're on the phone with the tech, and the tech says, no, this is something that just a reset's not going to fix. And it's going to be thousands of dollars. And then I've been told we need to get a backup amp so that this ever happens again. You know, we can just flip over to the backup amp and there's thousands of dollars. And we're going into summer and the devil says, oh, if you remember, everything drops off in the summer. And I said, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm preaching on remembering, remembering. So I start going back to uh, 1992 when I came here and that God had a man drive up in a truck and, and he said, pulled up in this old rusted truck and came and banged on the door. I was living in a little parsonage there and he, uh, I opened the door. I thought he wanted money. People were stopping by wanting money all the time and I was here. I was here without people, without support to plant a church in an old broke down building and, all I, and I needed money. So when folks came to me, I'm like, look, dude, you, I, I probably bet more need than you. How about help me out? So I, I was looking through the little people and I'm like, oh my goodness, he looks angry, he looks mad. I said, you know what, but here we are, I'm going to see what he needs. And I opened the door and he hands me an envelope and he said, I don't know why I'm doing this, I don't even like the church. And I was like, well, oh my goodness, hope there's not M-tracks or something like that in here. But, you know, and then he leaves. And I opened it up and it was a check written for $7,500 to the church. <laughs> Hallelujah. So here's someone that didn't even like the church is mad at what he was doing, but he's, uh, by God is bringing, bringing it. He's having a raven, a raven, bring me some, some, something to keep going here. And, uh, and recently we were down in North Carolina and I see the, this gentleman's business there and I was just telling the children about it. I said, you know, that they, they helped build our church and they didn't even like our church. They don't even like church. I, maybe they do now, but that was 27 years ago. And um, so I keep thinking back, you know what? If God could do that through a stranger, have a, you know, we now have a family here. We have a covenant family of Christian embassy and pulling together. There is, I mean, we can do so much more now here 27 years later than we could. So what is, you know, what is five, seven thousand here, four or five thousand there and, and eight thousand there? What is that? What is that when it's now all of us and God blessing us and working through us? So as I began to remember, my, my, my stress level just went right on down. And I told Pastor Rudy this morning, I said, we're going to go have one of the best services we've ever had. We're not backing down. We're not discouraged. We're not, uh, you know, thinking uh, negative. We're thinking positive. Praise God. I'm preaching on this little old little amp right here. You know, I think that's what I'm going through right now. And you know what? <laughs> we, we make it happen. We can make it happen. Praise the Lord. So, so we've got to learn that God is our source and, and, and he gets great delight. He even tells the disciples, don't you forget what I did. You've got to remember. You've got to remember. And as you remember, your faith will get, you will get your stamina built up. You'll be able to run the marathon. You won't give up every time a challenge jumps up in front of you. You just run over it in the name of Jesus. There was a single mother who had heard her pastor say, quit looking at your job as your source of income. Look at your job as only an avenue for God to channel his resources into your life. His name is El Shaddai. He is the God of more than enough. El Shaddai means the God of more than enough. That's why Jesus told the disciples, remember when we took the little boy's lunch, 5,000 men plus their wives and children. You had basketfuls, 12, remember? Overflow, overflow. He's El Shaddai. The God. He, that's who he is. That's what he does. That's his character. That's his nature. So this pastor was teaching on this and uh, that the El Shaddai will use any channel he can to bring resources into your life. And, and he was saying, teach your children to look at their Heavenly Father as their source and not their parents. So we teach our children that. Said, you know, you know, mom and dad are just one little channel, but we're praying that God opens up many, many riverbeds to meet you guys' needs. You look to Him, you believe Him, you pray to Him, you ask Him, because we don't want you dependent on us, we want you dependent on Him. Amen? So this pastor was teaching this, and 
And uh, this, this single mom, she goes home and her little daughter one day told her that she wanted a, a bicycle. Said all the children in the neighborhood, they're out riding their bikes and mom, I just don't have a bicycle. And her mother's first reply was, you know, honey, mama does not have any extra money because that was her typical response. Mom, I'm reaching out to you in South Carolina. You remember, you had this, I think she hired a parrot that had her voice and it just said, we can't afford it. So we would go in, Mama, we can't afford it. Well, you know, how did you know I was going to ask for what? We just can't afford it. We can't afford it. Now, granted, my mom was trying to raise three of us. Uh, my dad got shot at, on her 30th birthday and was left paralyzed from his neck down and, and disabled and couldn't work. And she's working all these jobs and we've got the farm and farms take more money than you, you know, generate. Everything is, it was tough. I understand. But let me tell you what. This mom was doing that. She's like, honey, we just don't have the money. But then she remembered what the pastor said. So she told her daughter, you know, let's ask the Lord for a bike. Isn't that good, a good way to look at it? Let's ask the Lord for a bike. So they prayed together, and they thanked God for hearing their prayers. And, and, uh, and they already started, by faith, thanking God for a bike. Well, a few days later, she the little girl receives a check in the mail from Granny, payable to her personally. How many of you like that check? When you get your birthday, you get so old that the grandparents, they don't know what to buy you. So they give you money. You're like, they're like, I'm so sorry. I'm giving you a check and couldn't buy you. You're like, glory to God. I take the check any day. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So she gets a check and on her way to the bank, her mom's taking her to, to cash it. They notice a man's placed in a bicycle, real nice girl's bicycle by the side of the road. So the mother stops and asks the guy, you know, what are you doing with the bike? And he said, well, my daughter, she just grew through it so fast. We actually bought it too small for her. She grew through it. so She hardly ever rode it. And uh, so we had to get her a bigger bike and I'm going to sell it. So they ask him, what are you selling it for? And he said, well, for $25. And she looks at her check from Granny, and it was for $25. And, he, and they asked him, would he take that check? And so they endorsed it, and, and the gentleman took the check, and they got the bicycle and, uh, and, and took it home. So this little girl grew up not remembering a mother who worked hard to buy a bike, but thankful for a mother to, who taught her about a heavenly father who cared enough about an eight-year-old's needs. And we need to learn that. We need to learn that because he knows how to take care of us. He is able to take care of us and he wants us to remember that. And he says, as you remember this, you'll begin to experience supernatural provision in your life. So I challenge you on this weekend to remember as we remember the lives and remember the sacrifices and remember the families and all that they've gone through to give us the freedom that we have. Let us also remember our God who has made every provision available for us. That He is our Jehovah Jireh, our God, our provider. That we're not looking to the government and we're not looking to corporation and we're not looking to individuals to, to meet our need, but we are trusting in the Lord, that we're depending on our God, that we're calling upon Him and by faith believing for the supernatural supply and provision to flow into our life, giving Him thanks and giving Him praise and giving Him honor like the little girl did before it even comes to pass. Could you put your hands together and give Him some thanksgiving right now for His goodness and His mercy. Hallelujah. Remember Christ's provision, but also let us remember Christ's love. Ephesians 2, 4 through 7 says, Because of His great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God has raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages He might show the incomparable riches of His grace expressed in His kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, we've got to remember Christ's love. That he said in Romans 5 and 8 that God demonstrated his own love for us. That while we were still sinners, 
while we were bankrupt, while we were on our way to hell, while we were without any good in us, Christ died for us. He made a way where there seemed to be no way. I love saying it this way. We owed a debt we could not pay. And He came and paid a debt He did not owe. And He paid it in full so that you and I, through Him, might come up out of the misery of our sin and the lostness of our life into the foundness of who He is, into the joy of a new life in Christ Jesus. It's all because of Christ's love. His great love. He died for us while we were yet sinners. And because of His great love, the Bible says we are seated with Him in heavenly realms. We can't earn that. We couldn't have worked hard enough for that. We couldn't have given enough money to buy that seat. He chose because of His love if we would receive His gift of salvation and enter into the family of God that He would seat us, that He would promote us, that He would give us eternity even with Him and show His riches of His grace expressed through His kindness because of His great love. Yes, because God loves us. He demonstrated that love for us, that while we were miserably broke, He died for us so that we can be blessed and promoted. You know John 3, 16 says, For God, what? So love the world. He loves us so much that everyone that He has given His Son, His only begotten Son, that if we will believe in Him, we don't have to perish. It's not God's plan for anyone to go to hell. Did you know that? He created hell. Yes, He did. And the Bible says He created hell for Satan and the fallen angels. They were not created. Hell was not created for you and I. The only ones of humans that will go there are those who reject God and His Son, Jesus Christ. I'm here to tell you, but if you will believe, if you will believe in Jesus Christ, you shall not perish but have everlasting life. That's the love of God. He does not want you to go to hell. He does not want you to suffer. He does not want you to live in bondage. That His love has made everything available that you and I might enjoy that abundant life here and for eternity in His Son, Jesus Christ. 1 John 4 and 16, God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God, and God in him. It's who he is. He is love. It's not that he just loves us. He is love. And there's many uh, Greek words for love and that are even used in the Old, uh, New Testament. One of those is uh, uh, an eros love. It's a Greek word eros, and it's the love that's shared between a husband and a wife in the sanctity of marriage. There's also a familial love that is a Philadelphia love, a friendship love, a familial love, a family, like a mom and dad and children and children and their parents, uh, but it's storge love, but there's also an agape love. And that is a love that gives without having to receive, a love that loves because it's love. And God is agape. God is an agape love. He's going to love you whether you love Him or not. He's made a way for you to escape damnation whether you accept it or not. It's still available to you. He has loved you and made a bridge through His Son, Jesus Christ, for you to be reconciled to God. Whether you cross that bridge is up to you, but His love has made it available to you. It's not automatic. It's available. you got to believe. you got to believe. God, who loves us so much. I'm telling you, the devil wants you to think God hates you. God is mad at you. God is condemning you. God has put sickness on you. God has put this pain on you. God has put this poverty on you. The devil is a liar. The devil is a liar. I can't say it mad enough. The devil is a liar. God is love. And that great agape love gives and gives and provides and forgives. That's why we are to love with that agape love. That's why you can't hold unforgiveness. You hold in unforgiveness, God said, you don't look like me. You're not acting like me. You're not walking in my footsteps. I don't know you. I don't know you. You say, Lord, Lord, but depart from me. I never knew you. You're not walking in my way. Oh, we've got to forgive. I love, I love the mindset I got when I got this understanding many years ago. Kind of like water flowing off of a duck's back. Duck's not going to get wet because he's made in such a way the water just flow right off. 
let me tell you what, whatever people do against me, it's just all automatic. I don't care what they do. Before they did it, I forgive them. Someone uh, not too long ago wanted to come and uh, they were here and they're like, Pastor, would you show me the building? I, I've not been here in years and years and this is exciting. And I was giving them a tour and they wanted to see the upstairs. And we got upstairs, we were by ourselves. And we were by ourselves. He says, you know, I just need to tell you, you know, uh, when I left here years ago, I, I, I did and said some really ugly things to you and about you. And I just want you to forgive me. I said, he, said, I, I, he said, do you remember? And I said, I, I really don't. And I'm thinking, what, what was it? I, I couldn't remember it. And he said, oh, well, let me tell you. I said, no, no, we're up here by ourselves. I might, I might have to throw down on you, you know. You know? I may not be in the right place. I've already forgiven you. Whatever it was, it's gone. It's gone. Let's leave it alone. And he said, no, no, I need to. I said, repent to the Lord if you need to repent. I, I forgive you, brother. I, I said, I, I love you. I, I, I have no ill will. I have no ill memories of you. He's like, you sure? You don't want me to tell you. I said, I'm sure, you know, because this has been a tough day. And I don't know that I've got, you know, you might, you might say, you said, what? You did what? And I maybe didn't even know. The Lord protected me. I, you know. So he was like, okay, we'll just leave it at that. It's under the blood. I said, yes, hallelujah. you got to forgive people. See, the devil will use the people closest to you that has a weakness. Now, just because they have a weakness don't make them the devil. But the devil will use their weakness to push your button. Do you know what I'm talking about? And the devil will try to come in and steal, kill, and destroy and get you into unforgiveness and get you into resentment and get you into anger and get you into places that, that cause you to step out of fellowship with the Lord. Let me tell you why. God has called us to love one another the way God has loved us. We've got to see that we are fallible. That means those close to me are fallible. See, if a stranger comes to you and calls you something or says something to you, you like, you nuts, you crazy, who are you? Get out of my face, ha, ha, ha. Can you believe so-and-so said, ha, ha, ha. But someone close to you say the same thing. Let me tell you what, the devil knows how to work. And here you getting fighting flesh and blood. You've just stepped out of your covenant uh, re relationship with God. You're stepping away from it and you're like, I'm not going to act like my father. I'm going to act like... The devil. And Jesus says, if you act like the devil, you're of the devil. But if you act like your father, you're of the father. So we got to be careful how we live our lives. And forgiveness is a choice. It's not an emotion. If you wait on it for, to be an emotion, you'll never feel it. You'll never say, mm, ooh, tickly, tickly, yes, I, I should forgive so-and-so. They, they called me this. They did this. They stole that. Yeah, that just feels really good. No. That emotion's not coming. you got to make a choice because love is a choice. Anybody married knows what I'm talking about. You went from the ooey-gooey feeling of walking down the aisle in the spotlights and, da -da -da and the trumpet blowing and all that to living life, and you got to learn to give and take, and you got to learn to forgive, right? Because he ain't all that perfect that you thought he was. And she sang really good, and now you see in the other side of the song, and you're like, sing, baby, sing, sing. I need you to sing for me, baby. You know, okay, because we all have faults, right? And we need this love to live one with another. Another thing we've got to remember is Christ's sacrifice. His sacrifice. He wants us to remember this so much that he gave us, you might would say, a, a living example of taking bread and the fruit of the vine or the blood of the grapes and he established something to help us to remember his sacrifice. Why? Because when we remember, it releases the anointing of what we are remembering. It releases the power. It causes our faith to have long-windedness so that we can keep the faith. So here Jesus, Paul tells us, for I received from the Lord what I pass on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, this is my body, which is for you. I want you to know what I'm doing, the sacrifice I'm making is for you. Just like these uh, sons and daughters who have sacrificed on the battlefield to give us the freedom we have today, what they did is affecting us today personally. What Jesus did is for us individually. It is for us. 
And when he gave thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. This covenant in my blood is for you. So what Jesus provided through his death, burial, and resurrection was for us. It's for us. His sacrifice is for us. And it was to meet every material need in our lives. We've already talked about that. But it was also to meet every physical need in our bodies. He says that, that it was His blood and His body was for us. And we see in the Scripture that's for our healing as well. Isaiah 53 and 5 tells us, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are what? We are what? We are healed by his stripes. He said, I did this for you. Peter tells us that post-resurrection, post-crucifixion, that by his stripes, you were healed. It's already done. It's for us. He has provided for our healing. So don't you buy the de- lie of the devil. The devil will tell you that sickness is to teach you something. That sickness is to make you more humble. That sickness is for this or for that. That's God's will for your life. Or the devil will tell you, pray and ask God, is it, if this is your will, then I will carry it. I will suffer what Jesus suffered. Well, if you suffering what Jesus suffered will make a way, then why in the world did Jesus come? He came to do for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. And He took on the suffering so that we could take on the blessing. He took the curse off of us to get the blessing on us. So you need to know it's God's will for your body to be healed. Did you hear me? It is God's will for your body to be healed. You say, well, I'm a believer and I've got sickness. I've got disease. I've got infirmity. Yes, there's a real devil and there's a real war going on. Yes, there is. But you've got to learn not to succumb to it and submit to it. You've got to learn to fight against it. Say, this is foreign. This is not God's plan. This is not God's will. Devil, you've got to pack it up and you've got to go. And you take the full armor of God and you take that sword of the Spirit. You take that shield of faith. You pray in the Spirit always. Uh, You have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. You take on that belt of truth and that that, that, the breastplate of righteousness and your helmet of sozo, your helmet of salvation. Have your mind lined up with the abundant life of God and you stand against the wiles of the devil. You stand against. You don't let him run over you. And if there's sickness in your body today, just like Jesus said, uh, he would rebuke the spirit of infirmity. Say, spirit of infirmity, you got to go. You got to go. You got to. I remember that Jesus took stripes upon his back for my healing. And that's causing my faith to get a long winded, uh, my faith to run a marathon. I'm going to fight against this sickness and disease until it is gone. And then I'm going to fight to keep this body in divine health. Uh, I'm not giving in to the lifestyle of the devil. I'm not giving in to the lifestyle of demons. I'm giving in to the lifestyle of Jesus, who is my healer. Hallelujah. So you got to get your theology right, which will get your faith right. But you got to remember, you got to remember, he met our physical needs. Not one person ever came to Jesus. Will you heal me? Nope, nope. You got to go. You got to go. You got to live with it. Just got to live with it. Never. It didn't happen. It didn't happen. Jesus said, you want to know the Father's will? Look what I do. You want to know what the Father says? Listen to what I say. And we're following the example of Jesus. He also meets our emotional needs. The Bible says in Psalms 147 and 3 that he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. I'm telling you, you may have been abandoned. You may have been lied against. You may have been divorced. You may have been kicked out. You may have had to grow up in an orphanage. You may have been put up for adoption. You may have been whatever the devil's tried to do to break your heart. God has already provided enough to heal it, to heal it. Don't live with a broken heart. Don't live with a broken heart. He heals the brokenhearted. And he binds up their wounds. you got to remember that. So you can come to him and bring that broken heart and those open wounds to him. And say, I remember you're the healer of the brokenhearted. You're the one that binds up the wounds. Jesus, I come to you for that. He heals our emotional needs. He also heals our mental needs. Thank you, Lord. Jesus said, not my will, but thy will be done. And he reversed the curse. 
where the first Adam said in the garden, not your will, we're going to take the fruit and eat it anyway, my will. And he gave our will over to demons and destruction. But Jesus says, I'm come to get the curse off of you and get the blessing on you. So he went into a garden, just like the first Adam, the last Adam did. And he says, Father, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. But not my will. Thy will be done. And he sweat great drops of blood. And Peter says, we're redeemed by the precious blood of the Lamb. He redeemed your willpower there. So I'm here to tell you right now, by the presence of Christ in you and his Holy Spirit, you can say yes to God and no to the devil. If there's an addiction, if there's something that's trying to hold you back, if there's a mindset, if there's depression, whatever, you can say no, no to what the devil is trying to do. And yes to the Lord. So I'm here to encourage you today, encourage you that he has met our uh, great needs according to his riches and glory. Praise God. So we want to remember his provision, remember his love, remember his sacrifice. And finally, we want to remember Christ's return. He's coming back again. Hallelujah. He's coming back. Revelation 3 and 3. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Obey it. and Repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know at what time I will come to you. He's talking to the church of Sardis here. And he's telling them, I know your deeds and, and your reputation of being alive, but, but really you're dead. You need to wake up. You need to strengthen what remains that's about to die. You need to wake up. I'm here to tell you this is a church that at one time was on fire for the Lord and prioritized God. But they lost their fervor. And now they're decaying and they're dying. I want, you to, I want to be challenged here today that we as a church stay on fire for the Lord. That if there's any area of us that's it's lulling off, that we'll wake up. Wake up. Keep God priority. Keep God priority. Oh, we came in here this morning and there was a lot of distractions. But we said, wait a minute. Time to pray. Time to pray. we got to keep Jesus Christ priority. We're not letting the distractions because whether there's distractions here at church or there's in your life or in your business or in your family, let me tell you what, the devil's always trying to get your focus off of Jesus. No, 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 no. We're going to keep our focus on the Lord because we know he's coming back. We know he's coming back and we're not going to let anything, anything stand between us and him. And I want to challenge you on this Memorial Day weekend as we are now entering into a summer season until Labor Day. Don't do what so many are tempted to do and say, I'll just put church on the back burner. I'll just put worship on the back burner. I'll just put that thing on the back burner. And then when Labor Day comes and school starts back and that's our routine, we'll get back into church. Church is not something to be routine. Church is not something to be a formality. It's all about a relationship. And I'm telling you, if you will remember and keep God first, even during your summer, even during these busy uh, uh, traveling months and so forth, if you'll keep Him first, you will see His faith alive in you so that you can realize the fullness of His provision for your life. I remember growing up, we, we did farming, and summertime was a lot of work. And, and uh, when school was out, we didn't, us boys, we didn't even wear shoes all week long. We didn't wear shoes. And uh, then the Sundays come, and we worked so hard, it was like we're going to, you know, mom's going to run us somewhere to the beach or run us to the lake or something like that to just kind of cool off. So going to church in the summer was almost unheard of. And I remember when school would start back and we'd have to start wearing shoes again, they felt really funny on my feet. Can you imagine going a whole three months without shoes? Man, my feet were so tough I could walk down the pavement in the middle of a 100-degree day and it not burn my feet. Now I walk out there and I'm like, eh, going to get the mail. I'm like, you are such a sissy. What's wrong with you, boy? I used to run the streets barefooted, you know, step on a rock and just laugh, you know. Now a little ant hurts my foot. Okay, nonetheless, I remember being so embarrassed going back to church. It's been three months knowing my Sunday school teacher was like, where were you? Glad y'all are still alive. We thought you had already backslidden on God. You know, whatever they would say. They didn't welcome us the best way they could have, but I was always embarrassed those first few weeks getting back. We didn't prioritize the Lord 
But I guarantee you, if you go to my mom's house now, it don't matter if it's summer, winter, springtime, or fall, she's at church. She, she has learned through the struggles of life that no matter what the devil's ever sent against her, it was God. It was God who brought her through. It was God who caused her success. And she prioritizes him. And all three of us kids now, we, we know that in mom. And here, two of us are ministers. Two of the three are ministers full time. Going, I mean, just preaching and, and serving the Lord. It's amazing. But I tell you, we learn. We learn that you can depend on the Lord. Don't be lulled off to sleep. Don't let your lamp go out. You don't know when the Lord's coming back. Keep Him first and central. I remember I owned a restaurant in the early 80s, the Bantam Chef in Andrews, South Carolina. They've got these things on post uh, on Facebook now that says, you know, I'm so, uh, I'm, I'm Gilligan Island original series old. I'm, you know, whatever. I'm trying to think of something. A Kool-Aid bursting through the wall, original commercials old. Uh, I'm... George Jefferson, Louise, and original old, saying, you know, I'm that bag. Someone posted, I'm Bantam Chef flipping hamburgers old. Meaning, going back in the early 80s, they were working for us at the Bantam Chef. And I jumped in and I said, yes, those were some great days and what a great time. And then people started commenting, oh, we missed the Bantam Chef. Oh, that was the most amazing restaurant. Oh, we wish you would come back and, and reopen the Bantam Chef. And I'm like, are you kidding? <laughs> Are you crazy? <laughs> but we gave the, the blueprint for Chick-fil-A. I don't know that they literally came to us. I don't know. But we had the example back in the early 80s. We said we're going to give people more than they expect for less than a price they were anticipating to pay. The food will taste better than what they get at home and they'll get it quicker than they could even imagine. And we're going to give it our all to the glory of God. And on Sunday, we're going to close the doors. We're going to close the doors and we're going to, it, money is not driving us. God, God is. And I remember the palpitations and the, and the, and the blood pressure going up as it would get 1130, uh, getting ready for lunch. And I'd look through the, the serve window from the kitchen and I'd see all the glass uh, of dining room and all the glass looking out. And from one door all the way around would be people lined around the whole building. And then it would go beyond where I could see and the people kept going. And we would be like, I'd say, game on. I'd tell my crew, game on. And boy, they would come in and by the hundreds, by the hundreds. And we're serving them with these four things. But on Sunday, we, got, we made more money, more money than you could ever imagine. The Lord blessed because we made him first. People would say, why don't you open up on Sunday? He said, that's the Lord's day. We're going to honor God. We, you know, God is our source, not not tickets and, and you're selling food to you. God is our source and we want to honor him on Sunday. We want to give all of our staff the opportunity to honor the Lord and worship the Lord. Let me tell you what, if you'll keep God first, if you'll keep him priority, don't let this summer, don't you let this summer temptation cause you to back off. You, if nothing else, you say, I need to wake up. I need to be on fire. I need to be dressed and ready for service. That's what he said in Luke 12, 35. Jesus said, be ready, dressed for service and keep your lamps burning like men waiting for their master return from a wedding banquet so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. He goes on to talk about how important it is to keep your lamps ready and burning, to be ready, to be watchful, to be waiting for his return. The Lord is coming back. The Lord is coming back. Amen. So I'm here to just challenge you with this close to remember these four things. Do we have needs in our lives today? Do you have any needs in your lives? Remember Christ's provision. Remember, he said, if you'll remember it, it'll cause your faith to grow. And then your faith will reach out and appropriate or take possession of what Jesus has provided for you. Do you feel depressed or confused? the enemy trying to cause depression, remember Christ's love. The devil says you're rejected. God says you're accepted. He loves you. He just wants you to love him back. Do you love the Lord with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength? 
Maybe you came in here today and you feel hurt or you feel lonely. Remember Christ's sacrifice. He sacrificed everything so that you could be built back up, that he could heal your broken heart, that he could restore to you an abundant life. He died on the battlefield so that you could have the freedom and the blessings of all that he has for you. Remember his sacrifice. And then especially as we go into these summer months, remember his return. Don't be lazy. Don't be lulled off and lose priority. Stay on fire. Stay on fire for the Lord. He is worthy. He is good. He is great. Lift him up. Worship him. Prioritize him because he is coming back. He is coming back. And someone just said, soon, soon. Yes, he is. His return's closer than ever before. Get ready. Get ready. Get ready. Anytime. Would you stand with me, please? Hallelujah. Father, we just stand in your presence this very morning. We thank you this afternoon. We thank you for your blessings. We thank you for your word. We thank you, God, that you called us to remember, Lord God, that we today could turn our attention unto you. And Lord, you said that if anyone calls upon your name, they shall be saved. Lord, if there's anyone here this morning, anyone listening in through the internet, listening in through television, listening in through the radio, if anyone will call on the name of Jesus, 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 call on his name. They shall be saved. Oh, today you would see if you're going the wrong path, you would repent. If you're doing things that displease the Lord, you would repent. If you see that you're moving in a direction that is opposite God, you would repent. You would turn. You would turn from your wickedness. You'd turn from your sin. You'd repent and turn into God and seek His forgiveness. Ask for Him to cleanse you and wash you with His precious blood to cleanse you by His name and to bring you into the family to restore you, to reconcile you repent and turn unto him and be reconciled unto the father through Christ Jesus remember he paid a debt he did not owe only because you owed a debt you could not pay you and I needed someone and his name is Jesus receive him now Jesus recommit your life rededicate your life consecrate your life. Lord, I, going into this summer months, Lord, I'm not going to walk away from you. I'm going to walk closer to you. Lord, I'm going to have greater faith, stronger faith because I'm going to remember. You said when I remember, it causes my faith to increase. It causes me to have long-winded faith. So Lord God, I remember. Thank you for the men and women that gave their lives to give us the freedom in this country. And thank you, Jesus, for giving your life that I might live that abundant life now and for eternity. I commit my way unto you. Jesus, you're my Lord. Jesus, you're my Savior. Now, I need you, Holy Spirit. Let this be your prayer as we close. Jesus, Jesus, thank you for giving us the Holy Spirit. Your Holy Spirit, I welcome. I'm the temple of the Holy Spirit, so I welcome you, Holy Spirit. Go ahead and welcome him now. Holy Spirit, I just welcome. Spirit of the living God, I welcome you into my life. I need your presence. I need your power. I need, I need your authority. I need your love. I need it all. Holy Spirit, Spirit of God, fill me. Fill me afresh. Fill me anew. I want to go into this week and I want to go into this summer living in the power of your Spirit. Walking in the power of your spirit. Anointed to be who you've called me to be. Holy Spirit, fill me. I yield to you now. And I rise up as a child of God to go into this week to bring glory and honor and praise unto you, Jesus, my Lord and my Savior. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.
Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, let's give Him praise.